Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program traditionally based in Timor-Leste and it has a singular vision to promote the health and well-being of veterans and their families. Due to the current restrictions from COVID-19, we are running slightly abridged programs on the Gold Coast with the same vision and same aim. We're using these opportunities to sit down with our participants either one-on-one or in a group setting and conduct podcast interviews to capture their stories and their lessons learnt, providing insights we can all learn from as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journeys and help others do the same. We'll be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. So whether you're out and about, listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll get a lot out of listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome back, guys. We're uh, just about to kick off our next podcast interview at the tail end of TA18. And sitting down with me uh, next, I have Alex Daly. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Ah, cheers. Mate, uh, great to have you here. And just a quick uh, uh, spin on Alex's career. So he served uh, in Armoured Corps, 2nd, 14th, um, 3 quarter cab, is that right? 3-4 uh, cab, yeah. 3-4 cab, yep. And uh, was served in operations in Iraq. OBG four, MRTF Afghanistan, and MTF three Afghanistan. They get all that right. Yep, yep. Fantastic, cool, mate. Well, uh, as I've done the other with the other guests, I usually just um, get you guys to tell us a little, little bit more about your career and what some of the highlights were, and just sort of grounded in a bit of context. We can sort of go from there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, starting off, I didn't really know anything about the army when I signed up. Who did? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know what the difference between a soldier and officer was, and uh, yep. that sort of didn't help. Uh, <laughs> selecting <laughs> jobs, but um, no, I originally listed as uh, electronic warfare. Okay, and I did that for two years until I realised that um, it wasn't really what I thought it was, <laughs> and uh, that was with the army. Yep, yep. Okay, and then I transferred with a good mate of mine over to Cav at the same time. Right. Okay. So uh, we both, yeah, we're about at Cav about six months later. So what uh, unit were you with with EW? Uh, well, I. Was having trouble getting my um, top secret clearance, so Pretty I stayed standard. down at Mortonia for okay. forever yep, and yep. Um, did whatever course they wanted to throw me on yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah, and yeah. and yep. then uh, I sort of got jack of it yep. and um, finally transferred over and then suddenly became the most uh, highly cleared cab driver <laughs> in Armour Corps, which was... Uh, they would have, uh, you would have been a target for all manner of stabbings. And, yeah, you know, yeah. It, was kind of, uh, it was kind of a blessing in disguise that I'd sort of... Found what I actually wanted to do a bit more, and yep, yep. Yeah, so it was good. And did they sort of revoke your clearance, or did you just keep yeah. it there? Oh, I don't yeah, know. Oh, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they tend to be pretty uh, laborious tasks, to put it lightly. Yeah, well, I didn't have the most uh, clear childhood, so um, okay. <laughs> that bit of material to look over. Oh, you wouldn't be the wouldn't be the first person. No. Uh, cool, man. So what happened sort of from there? Uh, well, yeah, went to Pakpanyu for IATs. Um, yep. Yeah, enjoyed that, and then uh, convinced everybody on my course that two cav was a premier unit, and I uh, put my application in for two fourteen. So yeah. <laughs> ended up at Briggs Vegas, and everyone <laughs> else went to uh, yeah went to uh, two cav. Yeah, cool. All right, so yeah, so I got to two fourteen in uh, oh, like I know about Easter time, and uh, yep. we'll get getting ready for OBG four at the end of the year. So um, yeah, right. straight into it, which was really good. Yeah, in Iraq by the end of the year, in November, I think we got there. Wow, that was a pretty quick transition from 
sitting in yeah, holding yeah, tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight overseas, but then you land on your feet there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was. Uh, I was really lucky. That's why why I look at it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. When in that de- deployment, which was pretty much a uh, eight month bush X in the desert, so there wasn't a hell of a lot going on on right at that period in time. Yep. Um. Yeah, came back from that trip, and uh, there was. They were looking for people to go up to B34 up in Townsville. Yep. And uh, I put my hand up for that and was up there just after Christmas for the next post in. And, um, yeah, got thrown straight on a trip to uh, Afghanistan on MRTF2. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, got lucky again. And, uh, yeah, that initially started as a um, a bit of an experiment by, I think it was one area to have all their guides driving and, and crewing, and they just wanted one CAV guy. Right, uh, driver and, and the troop leader, and right. uh, so I got really lucky on that one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But then, yeah, a few months into that deployment, they realised that wasn't working, and they brought the rest of three, four cab over. So well, I bet they were happy about that. Yeah, yeah, and it was. I think everybody was happy after that. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a luck of the draw type thing in deployments. I mean, when I was in three hour, it was the complete opposite. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time every time, and just managed to just dodge trips. Right? Yeah. And I joined in core, and was just, I guess. The probability of deploying us in intelligence score is, is fairly high because there's just not enough people. So that, that sort of changed the game and ended up getting, I guess, three trips in sort of four years-ish. Um, but, yeah, you guess it's – I mean, a lot of it comes down to your character and your performance and things like that, oh, of I course. Don't I don't know. But I think a lot of it does <laughs> come down like, to just yeah. being in the right place at the yeah, right time. Yeah, yeah. especially yeah. with uh, with cavalry. I think it's just, um, yeah, you're, the, you're the number on the paper and if you line up, then you're going – Right, and, and then you—if uh, you're a shit fight, then yeah, they'll find <laughs> someone else. But yeah, and you come back, and there's all these, you know, foreign officers who were in the armies back in the, the, the peace period, yeah, <laughs> because they did thirty years and only got to do Croc ninety five and yeah, that's all it. that kind of stuff, Kangaroo ninety five. But um, yeah, nice. And so for moving on from there, what was uh, kind of next? I uh, got back today, um, of sub one, yep, uh, which had I managed to dodge up until then, <laughs> and. Uh, that was not chasing rank in any way or form. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, went back over on MTF 3 uh, about 12 months later. So okay. um, pretty much did three deployments in five years. So it was sort of 12 months on, 12 months off, 12 months on, 12 months on. Which was pretty common during those times. Yeah, yeah. Sort that's of mid, mid to late t- 2000s into the, twi- into the teens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was um, high activity time, and mm. uh, which I think I dwelled on dwelled on a lot uh, looking forward because uh, I knew the tempo was going to slow down. Yep, 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 yep. And do you think the tempo might have been sort of a bit too much? Do you think you kind of overdid it with that amount of trips? And that was quite common for guys to sort of burn out once they'd done three or four or two, three, certainly four, um, certainly in such a small period, compressed period of time. Yeah, maybe um, I enjoyed it. Mm. Uh, I felt more comfortable in country than I did back in Australia. So, yeah, yep. Um, that's not really a tough guy statement. It's just, yeah. I mean, that's just the way we all felt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I think uh, I was probably my own worst enemy. Um, just following the party line of getting jack and jaded like everyone else. And yep. um, yeah, probably could have done with some time back in country to sort of develop career and focus on more of a long term uh, strategy to stay in the army instead of sort of looking at it as a short period of time that you're going to get out yep. uh, or do your thing and then get out, which yep. was sort of the mentality of my peer group. Right. And so do you, upon reflection, do you sort of wish you maybe had stayed a bit longer or? Uh, yeah. Yes and no. 
um, life sort of, you know, it went okay after that. It wasn't a bad thing. Um, I discharged because of uh, my anxiety, but at the mm. time I didn't know what anxiety was. So, right, okay. Yeah. Um, I just knew that I was freaking out uh, on parade grounds and in aeroplanes and doing random things and I thought it was just my situation and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll change what I'm doing and try something else and see if that helps and um, it did for a while and, uh, yeah, it was about five, six years later that I sort of had a, a breakdown and it all fell apart and I sort of had to deal with it. So. What were some of those signs upon reflection of, of anxiety? Because I think when you, you know, the old saying, inside the jar you can't read the label, right? Like I think when we're yep. in these situations, we don't think it'll happen to us. Yeah. We don't think it is happening to us. And if we haven't been trained in identifying what those signs are and those symptoms are, you might just think, oh, no, no, no I'm good. Um, yeah. So, so what were the, some of those signs at the time? Uh, signs that I didn't pick up on or I knew they were happening, but I didn't yeah, really identify what it was, was, uh, yeah, just the um, sort of the panic attacks that I was getting, um, mainly sta- standing on parade. Uh, it could be a 10-minute parade and mm-hmm. I'd feel like I'm there for an hour and a half. And uh, I was sort of having a little mental battle every time I was out doing something in front of anyone. Right. And, um, yeah, to, I, it would have been great to know what that was at the time and be able to deal with it. Um, but the mentality was very much uh, send those weak guns down to uh, the RIP. Yep. Part yep. of my language. That, no, no, no. That's, 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 that's reality, isn't it? Yeah, we don't need them in the unit sort of thing. That was the mentality. Uh, I didn't identify myself as one of those people, but... Yep. Um, that was definitely on. I know I thought it about other people who were probably struggling and I didn't have any sympathy, sympathy for them until it sort of affected me. Then I understood, you know, maybe what they were going through. So. It's a very combat combat core thing, same in infantry. You know, yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately. I think we're getting smarter to that now, but there's definitely that old legacy, you know, check your head badge, harden up type, <laughs> <laughs> yep, type yep. Uh, I guess, culture in defence, which is really not helpful. Like it, it has its place. Yeah, um, certainly on deployment, yep. for instance. In the heat uh, of the moment. That's yep. right. You've got to be on your game. and, um, But, yeah, just having the ability to uh, maybe deal with that <laughs> afterwards mm. would, would have been uh, helpful, obviously. And so was there any interventions at that time or did you just grit your teeth and soldier through it until eventually you uh, – we'll come back to it in a sec, but you mentioned you really things went really downhill a few years later. What? Where did the sort of knowledge come from? What, what was the first intervention? Um. I think I got. Yeah, I changed companies. Um, I was working for a mining company, uh, Sedgman's, that was uh, crushing them and whatever. But yep. uh, they were going changing contracts and whatever. So I spoke to an army mate and organised another job with uh, Downer over in WA. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I was sort of it was going to be a lot more travel, uh, sort of. But it was just the stress of the position and um, taking on you know, more responsibility and all that. Yep. And uh, I was sort of struggling with that. And I think that's when I initially went and seen a psychiatrist and they gave me some drugs and they held out for a while. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they really, they, at the time, they had a huge effect. It right. was, uh, you know, I'd never had, never really addressed it at all. So that small intervention had a big effect. So it sort of, correct if I'm wrong, it, Gave you a snapshot into how much better things could be, even if it was just like sort of drug induced, and then things went back to how they were before. Yeah, essentially, like um, I probably uh, didn't address (laughs) the problem instead of um, 
you know, I said, oh, yep, yeah, let's fix that. All right, let's move on. Mm. Um, I didn't stick with it. I probably sh- at the time, sure, okay. I should have. So after the initial trial with some you know, prescription drugs there, did that sort of wore off? Was there another strategy after that? or? Um, yeah, I think that, oh, not really. I just sort of gripped my teeth and kept doing what I was doing and uh, until it became untenable. And, uh, yeah, essentially um, was fly-out day. I was meant to go back to work and uh, I had to get some parts for a trailer that I was fixing and there was a boat builder next door to the trailer shop and I just went in there and asked him, um, you got any positions available? And they said, yeah, sure. And that was my way out. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. And then that that was like phase one of my breakdown, <laughs> if you want to put it like that. Right. Um, you know, just maybe lessening the load of stress that I was taking on. And uh, that worked for a while. Do you think the, the, the excessive busyness and the stress in some ways – distracted you from the bigger problem and then once the pressure eased off it became more clear yeah yeah 100 mm-hmm. um yeah when i'm engaged i still do it now uh when i'm engaged in a problem <laughs> i put all my effort into it yeah. and i don't sort of focus on what's going on in the background mm-hmm. um and then that generally i actually i feel calmer <laughs> when i'm doing that yeah so it's a um yep it's probably not the best way of dealing with it. That's typical, typical bloke thing, isn't it? That's how we deal with things, especially if we've had defense, a defense background. And so how long did this really sort of dark period last you know, when you really hit rock bottom, as you say? Uh, well, I sort of decayed from there a bit. It took another couple of years. Um, I just took on a town job, or yeah, non, non-FIFO job, yep. and uh, sort of just went up through the ranks doing that. I uh, got, got into civil construction yep. and... Um, yeah, got to a position where it was untenable again. So I sort of, uh, uh, a phrase I always use is everybody rises to their own level of incompetence. <laughs> and uh, I think I hit that level and, um, well, not really. It was just the stress load that yeah, I took on. Yeah, and, yeah. and then I sort of hit breaking point. I pretty much had to stop working. Okay. Um, just take some time and, uh, to put it bluntly, try and stay alive. So. Right, okay. So there's been... Um, so I don't think I touched on it. Are you married, kids? Yeah, I've got yep. a wife and a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Okay. Yep. Yep. So you've uh, they'd be keeping you busy as well, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. And, and sort of nowadays. So, so how long ago was that? What, what years are we talking? Just for context. Uh, no shit. Hang on. Uh, about five years ago, I stopped working. I think. Right. Okay. Or changed. Yeah. Yeah. Stopped working and eventually started working for myself. Okay, so that's what you're doing now? Yep. Okay, yep. in what capacity? Uh, pretty much freelance to race teams now, so as a fabricator. Oh, nice, so okay. Pretty much taught myself how to edit all things race car and fabrication and um, slowly got better at it and better. And Yeah, now I'm working just solely for one racer, uh, one race team. But, uh, that how cool is that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. It's when I reflect on it, it's really good. So is that something you have more control over the amount of workload as well? Yeah, it's, um, it's very... It's your own thing. Yeah, that's it. It's mm. uh, not a very professional workplace, so if I don't want to go in, I don't go in. Okay. Um, if I want to do five hours or if I want to do 12 hours, I'll do it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's very much on my own terms and I sort of like to keep it like that. Oh, it sounds like you're in a much better place. Is that, that right? Yeah, it okay. still needs um, some adjusting. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and especially after this week, I've sort of uh, identified a few areas where I might, it might, I might be at a place where I can, you know, maybe attack another career or go work for a bigger company or something like that. Okay. So, um, just for that self-worth uh, 
or self, you know, I'm a pretty ambitious sort of person, so I yeah, like to yeah. um, I like to set bigger goals than just where I'm at. Okay. And so well, I think we'll touch on sort of what you might be thinking of next in a moment, but if we just go back to the point you said, you know, you mentioned what wasn't working. You mentioned when you were getting yourselves in these supervisor roles, which were too much, uh, or eventually were. How'd you how'd you navigate that? How did you get to yourself to the point where okay, you're working for yourself? Maybe things aren't perfect, but they're better than they were. You've now got a family, uh, which you didn't have um, five years ago. How did you navigate all that? Uh, I think just going off going back to nothing um, was a good reset, and um, going back to nothing. Yeah, as in not working. Okay, uh, yep. just that time, and uh, that was really hard for me. Um, mm. Because I've always been, you know, the provider or whatever. Like my, my wife's got a really good career and everything, but I've always felt like I'm the one who's, you know, got to go out there and bring home the bacon, so to speak. Yep. Uh, so taking that time off just to sort of uh, deal with myself was really hard. Yep. And um, I've sort of dealt with it now. Now I'm fine with it. <laughs> now I could sit on the couch and don't feel bad. <laughs> no, no, yeah. But, um, yeah, that was just that taking that six-month period probably that where I just didn't do anything. Okay. Um, oh, in saying that, I was still busy. For someone mm. without a job, I was still flat out. So yep, yep. Um, it's not, yeah, don't sit on the couch for six months, but yep. just don't be responsible or answerable to anyone for six months. It really helped me. Okay. Um, yep. And it sort of opened my eyes, especially when I started working for myself, that, you know, the, uh, you you only put the pressure on yourself that you want to apply. But um, just being able to do that, like just that uh, acknowledging that, okay, I can just do this, mm-hmm. or, you know. You don't have to work for friggin' a big company and be answerable to them. Yep, yep. You can do it on your own terms. And are you sort of during that time? Were you getting any help from defence? Are you sort of on some sort of partial payments or anything? Or uh, eventually, eventually were. Yeah, yeah it yeah, took yeah. like two years or something. Pretty normal. Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, it takes um, a long time to get these things done, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was sort of lucky enough that um, we had a bit of money saved and good, and good. that sort of thing. And uh, I think that, that's actually an area we don't touch on a lot in these interviews um really is that financial side and i think maybe that's something we'll delve into more in in upcoming episodes with people or even get an expert in is that the financial element can really be make or break yeah definitely um i'll I'll interrupt you here no that's right yeah go for it yeah (laughs) Uh, i consider myself very lucky in the fact that um oh yes i've got i've got some money off the fence and uh that's great but um a short comment on that is i'd give it all back if they could fix me yes but um but on the bright side of it is I was already pretty financially stable. So good, good. Um, it wasn't life-changing. It wasn't a huge um, thing to me to get money. So but it helped a little bit. Yeah. It did. It took yep. the pressure off. Yep. But I look at other mates who are similar back to me. We're all sort of messed up in each, each own ways. And um, they've gone from, you know, not having a, much money, not they haven't done – they haven't used their deployment money the way they probably should have and all that sort of thing. And, yep. Um, so they're guilty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we all are to oh, a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was just that influx of money and it was life changing for yeah. a short period of time. Yeah. And uh, they might not have done the best things with it or whatever. But um, yeah, I think just personally, I think I was pretty lucky in the fact that you were you, responsible with your money. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. helped me be responsible with it. Yep. So, and I, that's good. And then you, you, yeah, that credit is due to you that you did that because not everybody does. Um, I certainly could have been better than I, than I did, but some people, you know, you hear of them. Classic stories: the young digger goes out and buys a fifty thousand dollar Commodore and then rides it off without insurance. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, how often that's happened, I don't know. But you, you get the point. Like, there's a lot of people who don't spend their deployment money responsibly, or even if you don't deploy, but just having a savings plan and 
Yeah, as, as, as I said, yeah, coming to the military with nothing, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Common. I think the the financial piece is a huge one because it can afford you that respite. You yeah. know, if you you, know, you said your partner's got a good job and everything up, but beyond that, I think if we are frugal and intelligent and smart and responsible with our money, if things go south or we just do need to have that respite, your the position that you're in and the flexibility you've got to be able to do that is much, much higher if you're in a decent financial position. Yeah, definitely. Because if you're not, you, you must go to work the next day. You've got to front up or have a significant step back in lifestyle to be able to make it happen. Yeah, um, so yeah. I think it's a really, really big piece that we don't touch on enough. Yeah, I financial don't think, piece, yeah. yeah financial education is yeah. lacking. <clears throat> um, it should be taught in school. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it shouldn't yep. be the army's responsibility, but yep. you know, why not? We teach everybody everything else. So yeah. let's throw that in there. But um, well, the problem is I don't think most teachers are know about it. You know, some some do. I've yeah, known some, some teachers probably are, not that good at it yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've known some teachers are financially free at forty and retired. But I think majority, it's not a major dominant through line of what they're taught themselves or know themselves. Therefore, it's difficult to pass it on. Or you're going to have it as, a, as an expert come in, kind of like at your transition seminars. Yeah, okay, yeah. a two-hour seminar, here's how you save, here's that government app you can use to monitor your spending. Great. Out the yeah. door two hours yeah, later. It's so not really going to make a huge shift, is it? You're just thinking about where you're going to go by it front <laughs> line. Or you're thinking <laughs> yeah, about freaking through those interviews. That's things. right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. No, and so what... what um, sort of fast forwarding to closer to the present what brought you on a program like this um yeah about oh november last year um had a real struggle period i uh, yep. went away on a, a, a trip for work for racing and um just struggled the whole time i was away and uh, i knew it was sort of going to happen and i hadn't traveled for a while or, you know no one really had and um yeah I'd, uh, it took me a long time to recover from that as in uh uh, two weeks, <laughs> as okay. in like you have an anxiety attack. It should take you a couple of hours, maybe a day. Um, it took me like two weeks to get over that trip, wow. and uh, I sort of knew at that point, okay, I've got to uh, proactively start looking at what I can do. Um, and I looked at all a, a manner of different things, um, a couple of different courses, and just did the research. And it was actually my wife who sort of suggested uh, a course, and it was um, a reboot. Yep, and, uh, uh, yep, we've yep. had, um, uh, what's the guy's name who runs uh, it? Andy. Andy, Andy, come yep. on, come down and speak a couple of times, yep. Okay, I gave him a call and um, he was the same boat as me, you know, I think we were on the same deployment as each other and mm. I just didn't know who he was, he didn't know who I was, but yep. Um, yep. yeah, had a good chat and he sort of said, look, we're doing everything online and um, it wasn't that, uh, it didn't really gel with me, but I probably still would have done it, but he did say, uh, he suggested this course. Yep. And, um, yep. yeah, that's what got me onto it. So Fantastic. And I spoke to Rowena and she sort of said to me, um, just be honest, mm. like, uh, on your application and um, really say what, what you're going through. And, yeah, like, I was, uh, I'll get a bit deeper here, I suppose. Mm. Um, I was struggling to see a way forward. Um, yeah, like, for instance, suicide scares the shit out of me and uh, even just thinking about it is just, it. Uh, it's one of those things is, I've had plenty of mates who have gone through it or gone through with it and uh, it's, yeah, just one of those areas that really scares the shit out of me and I didn't want to see myself going down there. Yep. Um, yeah, just want to get in front of that. Just face some of the demons, yep. Yeah. Yep. Just start to unpack it and face it. Yeah, figure out why it was um, so uh, so scary So why it was having such an effect on me. Mm. Um, not sure, we, you know, there's a fact you don't want to go down and, 
and neck yourself as so yeah, no mm. one wants to do that. But um, mm. why is that scaring the shit out of me? Uh, why why even contemplating it? Is that yeah, what yeah, 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 yeah. Like um, we all have fleeting thoughts of you know oh, I can just drive this car under that tree and like <laughs> that's um probably not that normal, but it's pretty common, I think. As Louis C.K. Um, says, we've, we've all flicked through the brochure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Yep. You know, it's when those thoughts hang around or, you you know, all that sort of shit. And, um, yeah, I, and that was the biggest thing for me. Was the easiest way to describe it is just that three months, one year, five years. I couldn't see that. Um, I just couldn't plan. Okay. And has this given you some sort of tools potentially to go away and start to... Yeah. Not yeah. that out a little bit? Yeah, a lot of um, what we've covered here, I was, I'd scratched the service on um, in trying to research, trying to better myself. Um, I'm probably in a bit of a different position what a lot of guys are on this course, as yep. in uh, this, a lot of information might be brand new. Yep. Um, but it did give me the one a reminder or a kick in the ass, follow it up, you know, like look deeper into these things that you've heard about. Yep. Um, and which is really good for me, but the biggest thing for me going out of this is uh, I said it to Scotty before, it's just I'm not seeing my anxiety as a roadblock anymore. Um, and that's just that purely alone, having the confidence to go over that or around it or whatever or deal with it is um, that sort of opens every door that I wanted to, um, that I'd been closing myself. Mm. So you're saying is your anxiety is something that is there but it's not the be-all end-all? Yeah, that's it. Um, and the whole peace of mind and then pretty much everything we've covered on this course mm. – um, the more you do those things, the smaller these problems get, um, and you can deal with it. Mm. So it's an interesting point because I think yeah, a lot of us we become married to those feelings, don't we? We just sort of say, okay, this is, this is me. We identify with it. Yeah, definitely. And I, it, I was just growing up, or even in my early years, I guess, uh, I used to hate people who say can't mm. because I never ever put that restriction on myself um, and I didn't understand why people did it. Uh, yeah, it was just like, why can't you do that? Like, yeah. why can't, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. Um, i sure maybe we're not fit enough or not physically f- strong enough or whatever, but like there's not many things that you can't do. So that really annoyed me growing up and then I was found myself getting annoyed at myself at that starting to do it and then yeah. I'm just like, well, and then it gets to a point where you, you feel hopeless on that and you yeah, you don't know how to get around that, even that little thing, I can't. Mm, mm. And, and what specifically would, would you say has held that mirror up to you on this program? Or what was the aha moment that sort of led you down that path? Uh, probably the peace of mind. Um, that's what I feel I've got the uh, most out of, or that and the suicide thing. We'll, we'll go into that in a second, I suppose. But... Um, mm, mm. Uh, simply just seeing um, Hugh out at the yoga place, uh, yep. the way he conducts himself and just just his uh, frame of mind and just how, uh, I don't know the best, he's just comfortable with himself and doesn't really give a shit. Things are going to go either way <laughs> and he's comfortable with it. Mm, like, mm. Um, Flows with whatever happens. Yeah, that's yeah, it. And yeah. it's easy to put the, the uh, bogus spin on it, <laughs> as he likes to say. So yeah. just, you know, most... Yoga's bullshit and I'm not really into it, but um, <laughs> I'm more into the breathing and peace of mind side of it. So that really, um, yeah, it's just seeing his confidence in his in what he's doing. Mm. Um, that's probably I've got I've got a heap out of that. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Well, maybe yeah, one of the things that 
I think a lot of people out there will resonate with is what you sort of touched on there and the, the sort of suicidal ideation, which sounds like it's come up a few times in your life. What would be your your advice to someone who might be in that position right now if they're listening to this? Um, all I can speak on is my own experience. Yep, that's all um, awesome. And for me it was identifying where that was coming from, um, why it was such a sensitive topic. Um I didn't. I don't want to commit suicide. I didn't mm. want to commit suicide. I was afraid that I was going to commit suicide. So I don't know if that's different to anyone else. Some people might be like, ah, oh, you know, it's completely different. Some people might be in a point of frame where then they can't see a future. Mm. Whereas I was sort of like, no, I know I've got a huge future ahead of me. I've got a family, you know. Um, but yeah, it was the fact that I was so scared that I was going to commit suicide, uh, and it's sort of hard to admit to yourself as mm. well. And um, the more I dug into it, the more the reason it was so raw is just because I've had, as I said earlier, a few friends who have committed suicide and um, some really good mates who have uh, been in that the same position I was in and um, talking to them about, you know, how can they, or they're talking to me about it, uh, how can they commit suicide without hurting their family? And mm. so very raw. And it was just so raw to me. That's um, why I was having such an effect. And um, I had a good, really good chat with Scotty about it and mm. a few chats. And it gave me the ability to sort of to unpack that and not um, get emotional about it, like actually identify the information and, mm. and assess it. Like even now, normally I wouldn't be able to talk like this. I'd be... Yep. Sort of going silent, breaking down. Mm-hmm. I'd probably walk off, but um, yeah, now I'm actually able to deep, dig a little bit deeper and and identify that. I think that's the biggest thing: is take the emotional side out of it, and <laughs> as much as you can, yep. as much as you can, yep. and uh, yeah, just identify, like figure out why you're having these feelings. Um, and it might be that peace of mind thing, you know, like you get that right, and everything starts to look a little bit more achievable. Mm. Yep, just one step at a time. That's it. <laughs> love it, love it. Well, mate, uh, what, what's sort of next for you now? What, what's the next steps as soon as you get home? You know, what, what will the next three months looking like? Uh, next three months, um, I've got a few professional goals that I, go, I want to achieve, like growing my business in a few different areas. But yep. um, it's I probably won't go back to work for a week or two. Yep. Um, a few things around the house that I'll just spend a bit of time doing and um, spend a bit of time with the family but more – uh, be present with the family. Um, I'm really bad at sort of being there but not being there. Well, if you're a, a highly conscientious, busy, you know, driven guy, that's a, that's a hard balance to have, isn't it? It is. I'll it just is. sort of drop, take that coat off when you get home. Yeah, I'm, I'm very bad at uh, uh, 100% thought on one thing. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> love it. Well, mate, uh, thanks so much for everything you shared there. I know there was some stuff there that wasn't um, – Easy to talk about, and I'm really grateful that you that you did because you never know who's listening to this and the impact that it can have on those people. Um, you know, people are at different stages of their own recovery, and um, yeah, I really appreciate your share. No, that's all good. If anybody's in my sort of boat, and especially my peer group, that's who I want to speak to. You know, guys who might be able to uh, attach some part of the, their own story to my story and sort of make a connection there. That'd be great. Fantastic, mate. Alex, is there anything else you want to sort of cover on before we think about wrapping up there? No, it's all good. Awesome, mate. Well, thank you so much once again and uh, enjoy the last day and a half of the program and uh, we'll be chatting again soon. Awesome. Good on you, mate. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening, guys. And if you do have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do, of course, encourage you to share this podcast out to anyone who you feel may benefit from it. Thank you so much, and we look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast. Bye for now.